Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the podcast where we reconsider best picture races and determine if the Academy got it right. And on this week's special bonus episode, we are counting down our top 10 films of 2021. I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And let's get into it. All right. 2021 in film. Overall. Better than 2020. (laughs) Hopefully not as good as 2022. (laughs) Right? Why is that? Well, just hopefully it gets better. Oh, that it always gets better? Yeah. I didn't hate 2020. No, I just mean, I mean, there were no theaters open and oh, yes. we were all stuck inside and there was a yeah, pandemic. Yeah, that right. And that's also Because all the movies were pre-made. So really, it's just, it's amazing we have such a good year. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Is there anything you want to say in general about the year in movies? Good year, bad year? Was it hard to put your list together? Uh, it was easy to get all of them in a list but the arrangement was difficult okay so yeah i would say it was kind of easier for me to put my list together this year than it is other years i don't know i still like had i was i literally changed it this morning but like i also don't feel as strongly about a lot of the movies on my list than i do some years you know what i mean oh no that's interesting i really love my list and the movies on it i mean i do too but like i don't know (laughs) I was just trying to fill time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I I mean, I hear you. I understand. Yeah. It's it's also just a weird time. To be alive in the world. Yes. Yeah. It sure is. All right. Um, Well, before we get into our top 10, so let's talk about the top 10 at the box office. Because movies did open in theaters this year. Tell me of the numbers. Like, it's not just a... You don't have the number. That's what's impressive. Because, like, you know, the movies weren't really... Theaters weren't really all open. Yeah, I probably should have done that. That's okay. Well, they were more normal than last year. Right. Like last year, I think the number one movie was uh, like uh, Bad Boys 3 or whatever, right? Oh, because right before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like nothing came All out. Right, fine. Coming in at $1 million. <laughs> this movie made $5.75. Okay. Number 10 was Free Guy. Number 9, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Number 8, A Quiet Place Part 2. Number 7, No Time to Die. Number six, Eternals. Number five, F9, The Fast Saga. Is that really what that movie's called? That's. I don't know. I didn't even know that came out. Like, I'm dead serious right now. I have not seen that movie. Well. How have I not seen it? I don't know. That's wild. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Number four, Black Widow. Number three, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Number two, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah. Probably by a... Wait. By a huge margin. And it came out but very came late out in the year. <laughs> like 13 days left, 14 days left of yes. the year. Wow. That movie really restored a lot of people's hope in theaters in general. Wow. Also, like, the top four, the top six besides F9 are all, like, Marvel movies, right? Sure. I mean, they're almost all franchises. Every single one of those movies. Yep. Well, not Free Guy. Not Free Guy. Coming in at number 10. <laughs> but all the other ones are franchises. And I'm yes. assuming 10 and beyond are all non-franchises. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do our top 10 films. 2021. My number 10 film is The Green Knight by David Lowry. I, full disclosure, like, I went through a huge Arthurian phase as a preteen, as I think a lot of preteens do. Really? 
Sure. <laughs> survey my classes. <laughs> and uh, so Who I feel like the King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I think when I was like a kid, there was like this mini series about called like Miss of Avalon that was about like um, like Morgan Le Fay and the Margoose and like all those like the witches and stuff. And I got super into that. And there was like some YA books I read about Morgan Le Fay. But anyway. So super into that. And so I feel like, and I, but it's also something that I like never think about that much anymore. But the Green Knight, I think, made me think about it again and made me remember how much I like those stories. I like the way they can be, You, I mean, legends can be used to tell whatever kind of story you want, which is definitely what David Lowry did with this movie where it's about masculinity, about becoming a man, about like what that means. And I just found it incredibly interesting. And I think that the look of the film the costumes the production design is so gorgeous like I don't know why it's not getting more recognition for the costumes and for the set design because it's probably one of the most beautiful films that I saw this year or any year and not just because Dev Patel was in it (laughs) (laughs) but I just I really loved it I loved what it did I loved what it did with the story the way that it updated things the way that it didn't I just thought that it was a really beautiful way to use a very old, old story. Yeah, I'm. I am happy you felt that way. <laughs> I know you didn't like it, but <laughs> it comes up later for me. <laughs> I don't exactly know where. Not on the top ten list. But. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, visually, I mean, I thought it was stunning. It's just you know, like A twenty four is becoming such like a brand. Mm-hmm. rather than just a distribution company that's true and that yes. is the most like a24 thing i've ever seen it's just like game of thrones is really popular let's fund this but i think it was it was saying something it wasn't like just like no, a cash grab of people like medieval things sure right i understand now. but it's a i'm saying it was a risk sure and they went for it and people love it yeah and that's fine i'm saying just like it just feels so a24 it's insane not that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not saying um, that. Speaking, you are the man who owns like multiple A24 I do. merchandise, I have, by the way. <laughs> I have. No, no, I have no problem with that. I have two A24 movies on my list right now. Like, I'm not saying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's terrible. It's just, it's just like, I don't know. They've done like, I don't know. It just feels so, it feels like nothing else. Like Paramount wasn't putting out this movie. You know what I mean? Right. No one else was going to put out this movie. Um, it's definitely this weird, yeah, roll of the dice type of film that I was super pumped to see right before the pandemic because that's when it was supposed to come out. Yes. Right before. And uh, then I kind of just lost all I – th- I just think, like, maybe I let it build up too much in my head that I was, you know, just kind of, like, not feeling it while there. I don't know. Also, remember that in that theater we had that really annoying couple next to us, and that might have had something to do with – I yes. don't know. Who knows? I do. I watch it. A few you were more disturbed by that man than I was. Hey, but I you got, were right next to him. Yeah, I got him to leave. You did. So he drove I, a man away, and his girlfriend just stayed through the whole movie and didn't yes, know where he was. Yes, and honestly, that was better than the movie. All right, so coming <laughs> in at my number ten. Oh, I lied. I only have one a a twenty four. One is not on my top ten. I oh, okay, it's just on my like overall list. Sure. Uh, coming in at number ten, I have. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Uh, did you not expect that one? Like, I did not look, expect you to have look that on, on your there. face is just really kind of interesting right now. Just, oh, wow. Very judgy is, is what it is. I'm just surprised that you have it on your list. Please tell me why it made your number 10. It made my number 10 because 
the more and more I thought about my list, this was, and then looking over your categories, which will come up later, mm-hmm. uh, this was just a nice surprise. I knew almost nothing going into it because it's actually one of those beautiful trailers that doesn't really give a ton away. Like mm-hmm. imagery wise, maybe if you put stuff together, but it's not telling you the whole plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it was super enjoyable. And I love movies with like kids and their perspectives, like Spielbergian, you know, <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. kind of stories here. Um, and it was just such a, it was such a wonderful, joyous, not that it's like the most family friendly film. It's not, you know, but it's just this movie that just makes you smile. And uh, yeah, coming from a really personal place with Kenneth Branagh, shot in beautiful black and white, um, featuring a very good looking Jamie Dorn. Uh, and Katrina Bell. I, yes, really. Just good looking cast all around. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, but just a, a really wonderful movie that I think we'll talk more about later. Probably. Okay. All right. My number nine film is Plan B, directed by Natalie Morales. Hmm. Uh, this is not a movie that I didn't really know much going into it. We were just like, oh, I want to watch a comedy. This looks funny. And it is super funny. It's a kind of a gross out buddy film with two teenage girls. Um, who have to go on this odyssey adventure to get one of them the plan B pill after a rough sexual encounter. Or not, you know, one she regrets. And um, and so I just, I love, one, I love this genre of film when it's applied to women. Like, I think, like, obviously we've seen so many, like, gross out, raunchy comedies starring men. And I love that there's, like, this uptick of movies like that for girls. But I also like that it also had something broader to say about the difficulty of getting broader <laughs> the difficulty for for women to get what they need, especially in certain states and parts of the country. So I really appreciated that one, it's laugh out loud, completely funny. You can just like watch it and entirely have a good time, but also that it had something a little deeper to say. No. I absolutely enjoyed Plan B was on my overall list, but did not cut into the top 10. Um, I do thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Like I had a great time watching that for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if uh, Shiva Baby comes up on your list at all, but those two kind of hand in hand were just really, these really nice delights, Mm -hmm. um, young female stories uh, that I really enjoyed from this year. Neither of which are on my list, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, Shiva Baby made my my overall list, but not my top ten. Gotcha. But I agree, yeah. All right, coming in for my number nine, um, and honestly, this I gotta say, this like was not sitting in my top ten list, even though it's a recent it's a recent watch, so it's very okay. fresh. Okay. But it's uh, the worst person in the world, Joaquin Trier. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I really I enjoyed the movie. You know me, I like sad things and like overall but like it's just uh i was i was kind of like i don't know what i wanted from it i don't know why i'm asking anything but like i don't know <laughs> what i wanted from it and what i got was this kind of like I, you know generic is it's, it's generic is, is not the right word here but it was just, it was just a more simplified story than what i was expecting and it's frustrating in some parts for me 
Um, but I get it. I just feel like this story has been told. You have a lot of complaints for something that's on your top 10 I list. know. <laughs> I know. Because, okay, I'll just, I'll just speed past this bad stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's also just like the type of story I absolutely love. Yes. Uh, so it's just like, yes, I've seen it because I seek it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and there's just moments in that movie that I, I wouldn't expect to necessarily see in a movie like this or a film like this. So, yeah, uh, it's delightful and you should – it's delightful and and brutal and charming and gross all and at funny. the same There's time. funny. There's a lot of funny moments. It's hilarious. Too. It's hilarious. Honestly, when you get past the, the language barrier, you're reading subtitles here, mm-hmm. and something still makes you laugh out loud, it's doing a great job because mm-hmm. we're not getting necessarily all the little – you know nuances um so yeah that's my number nine worst person the worst person in the world all right my number eight is belfast by can Brana. uh i agree with pretty much everything you said i think that it is probably one of the best movie going experiences that i had this year and again it was less this year than it is in usual years but yeah i still i went into it because yeah like the trailer the trailer made me cry every time i saw it but um I went into it and I was just so, and I was still taken aback though by how charmed I was by it, by how lovely it is. And it is kind of a sad story. Like you said, I mean, it takes place during the troubles in Ireland, which were not a fun time for anyone. Um, and there's a lot of upheaval and drama and all that. But, um, I think being told from a child's perspective, from, you know, Kenneth Branagh's perspective, it's just, it was just lovely and I just it left the theater feeling so good and so happy and that that sometimes that's what you want from a film <laughs> amen so, yeah. I love it it's number eight it was my number 10 in case you guys forgot I liked it more than <laughs> right. you liked it more than I did uh speaking of a movie I probably liked less than you did huh. at number eight comes Zola Z-O-L-A, Zola. That's my A24 film on my top 10 <laughs> list. Uh, I'm sure it's higher up there for you. Not that I didn't like it, obviously. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I'm sure it's... I, you have We haven't come across for you, so it's yeah. mine. Uh, you know, I'm sure you'll have a lot more great things to say about it later, so I'll just keep mine short. But this was such a surprise for me. Um, did not really know what to expect. Devin kind of recounted the story, that the Twitter story this is based on like years ago when it first was viral. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did not know what I was walking into. Big fan of Riley Keough. Um, had no idea who Janixa Bravo was, but uh, cannot wait to see what she does in the future. So yeah, again, I'm sure we'll keep talking about it later, but this was a really nice surprise and I could not recommend it more. Very good. We will talk about it later. <laughs> uh, my number seven film... And one that I don't think is going to make your list. Aren't you on eight? No, I did eight. Eight was ball fast for me. Oh, you're leading? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. But this is, I'll edit that out. Cool. I will. <laughs> I didn't expect you to go. <laughs> my number seven film is The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. Now look. Now look. <laughs> I Wait a minute. I've heard it said, you know, Wes Anderson is a... <laughs> I've heard that people have called The French Dispatch the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson film, which I would agree with. And I know sometimes Wes Anderson can be a lot for some people. 
I like it, so I think it makes sense that the most Wes Anderson um, really just stuck with me. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it. And I also, I mean, like, I just think that this film, I really like Wes Anderson's style, and I think that, I mean, it's a movie about writers living in France and, like, the 60s and so that's just a lot of that's a lot of checked boxes for me you know that's a lot of things that I enjoy and uh I just loved it it was basically I, I felt like you know there's there's different stories and some of them resonated more with me than others but again it was just a really good experience I loved the way it looked I loved the performances I loved most of the stories <laughs> and uh yeah that's why it's in my top 10 I like Wes Anderson, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I don't care. That makes me basic. It doesn't make you basic. It makes me like a basic like hipster. <laughs> I mean, I will say this film did not even make my. I know you didn't like, like it, list. but it's not that I just didn't like it. Like there was elements I loved. I just thought it progressively got worse. Progressively is probably the wrong word, but like like each section. Was yeah, yeah, like it it kind of hit on a high note for me early, and yeah. then went out. Um. I don't know. I really liked the middle story a lot, though. And I got and I and I, it's the Wes Anderson-y, like the most Wes Anderson-y thing is like kind of hard for me to swallow because, like, I mean, I get what people mean by that and everything, but I mean, it's just different. He's just, I don't know. He's just going down these like, almost like you're reading like a, a children's book, but it's not children. Obviously, he doesn't go for childish humor. But I'm no. just saying, like these things feel so lately since I would say Moonrise Kingdom to uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, and now this. Um, everything's just kind of so neatly tied, and a children's book get definitely the wrong term. I, I wish I could back that up, but um, because they all have adult themes in their own ways. But but no, I think that it is very like. It is very storytelling with the colors and stuff. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's just too neat. Like, I I miss. He is not making like realistic films. In I any know, way. but I miss like. I mean, he never really made like they're all different in his own universe in some way. But I just miss like the, the life aquatic, the you know the royal tenement, like where it was just slightly surreal, mm-hmm. rather than a full on world that we know doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I guess if that makes sense. I don't know, but that's what he's doing right now, and maybe he'll come. I don't know. Well, I like it. Yeah, that's fair. I like highly stylized things, though. For so sure. I think we can tell from my list pretty much so far. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> I'm not really talking about the plot to anything. Is that bad? No, I mean, I'm I just kind of speeding through, and yeah. I didn't mean to, though. I really haven't talked about the plot of any of the movies that we're discussing. That's okay. Are you that's sure? That's what IMDb is for. Ah, that is what I we, basically, which is what we read to you anyway when we're talking about the plot. <laughs> Okay, um, coming in at my, what number are we on? Seven. Seven. Uh, is Titan? Titan? You know what? Titan. Titan. Don't really have a way to say it, yeah. The new film from Julia, you know, Ducano, I don't know, you know, French. I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay. It's hard for me to do French, but there it is. Uh this film is wild. It's wild. I'm not going to give you the plot, but essentially there's murder. There's sex with cars. Okay. There's dance scenes. There is overdosing. And that's the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> not literally, but it is insanity. Like 
the reason this is on my list is this is not my typical bag. Like it's not, and I know people really go for this kind of thing. You know, our Gaspar Noe audience, and you know whoever else. But like, it is not typically my thing. But my eyes were literally glued to the television. I didn't get to see this one in theaters, unfortunately. But I think it was probably the wildest at home viewing experience that I had this year. I just could not believe what I was, and I was addicted. I was hung on every word, on every second. It was just wild, and mm-hmm. it was, it was, so entertaining. I I can't. I I want to recommend this to people, but then I really also have to like know that person to recommend it. You know, like I can't yeah. just say, Grandma, will you watch this this weird French movie? Uh, I mean, I definitely wouldn't recommend it to Grandma anyway. No. Actually, that would be really funny. Your grandparents would be like, what is wrong with you? I know. But even if they got five <laughs> minutes in, I would consider it a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, this movie is great. I can't recommend it enough. Isn't it streaming somewhere? I don't know. Maybe it's not. It's, it might still be available for rent. But yeah, I would I suggest know. that everybody sees this at some point. It is. I mean, it's under two hours and just purely enjoyable. Yes, but also content warnings. Check those out before you watch it, maybe. That's true. Because I will say I watched it's a lot fun. of that movie from behind my sweatshirt because there, there are things I did not want to see happening. Okay, there is a lot. <laughs> there is a lot. And and usually, again, not my thing. Like I No, don't, I know. It's just for some reason this clicked and worked and I was blown away. Yeah, I will say this was on my top 10 for a long time and it got bumped recently and I, it honestly got bumped because when i was looking at my list i was like i would rewatch all these movies but i do not think that i would rewatch Song because it again i i didn't watch a lot of it the first time because i was hiding but i will agree with you that it was completely unpredictable and also but also it turned into i mean there's a lot of a really disturbing body horror that happens but by the end it turns into the, almost the most beautiful story about like unconditional love and like parenthood and i just like i don't understand how one movie can contain both of those can be both those things, things at once yeah so yeah i will say that i definitely agree with everything said in it like just barely missed yeah, my top it's, 10 it's like it's a genre movie with like a drama message like it's it's just wonderful i mean by the end i was like this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen like the ending was like yeah so beautiful that but i can't get over that i also like could not watch large parts of it but you didn't put that on your top 10 list again because i would not rewatch it that became my final decision got you and why it got bumped but okay fair enough but yeah okay moving on to my number six west side story by steven spielberg i was the biggest skeptic of this movie (laughs) when it was announced because i said the original West Side Story, I think, is one of the best movie adaptations of a musical of all time. I said, why would you want to try to improve on that? Because you can't beyond, obviously, the um, whitewashing aspect of it. But as far as musical numbers, dancing, it's like, it's perfection. Why would why are we remaking this, Steven? But you know what? Um, Steven Spielberg proved me wrong because he's uh, good at directing. Hot take. But... <laughs> Honestly, I think that this movie, it improves on it in the fact that it really does say something else about it. I think that Spielberg went in 
knowing like yes it's a hard thing to remake a classic movie like that you know it's like someone trying to go remake Casablanca or something like why would you do that but I think that what he added to it really did improve and I think to a certain extent also kind of better more fully explored what the original story was trying to do anyway that you maybe couldn't do as much of in 1960 when it came out but he was able to do and I liked the additions I still think some of the music numbers from the original are are better than the new one but I think that everything that was added to it I think the performances are great I think that he really said something with it and as opposed to just making another remake you know what I mean he made it his own I become colder on this movie. The more, the more I talk about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> just the more, just kind of th- like just it's just stuck around hearing other people talk about it. Like, I liked it at the theaters. I loved. I mean, you've heard me talk about it. Riff's performance, like Riff, mm-hmm. does not get enough credit. That guy was incredible, mm-hmm. magnetic. Um, but yeah, just like at the end of the day, it's like i just felt that i didn't need it and ansel elgort might be the main reason it kind of sinks for me i think he's very uninteresting i think yeah but i also think that i think the i think the character of tony is just a bad part like I that's think that, ridiculous i can't do that right now no i i because i i can't think of the guy who plays him in the original and i feel bad right now but like yeah. i think he's the worst part of that movie sure you know what i mean so like because the love story is the worst part of the movies but, but the point is the point is that yes they're young and they don't really know if they're in love or not but the point is they never get to find out if they truly love each other or not and that's the tragedy of it kyle that's the point <laughs> that's not the point it is the point that is not the point i think that that is more clearly the point in the remake the fact that they do not get to explore their feelings they do not get the chance to find out if they truly love each other yeah and that's fine i get that sure but how they come to me still breezes over in like 30 seconds in a bad scene by the way oh i like their meeting i actually really liked it oh really yeah oh, i thought it was i thought it was like one of the poorly direct like like one of the like when they're behind the bleachers scenes. yes hmm. i it did not feel like it was the same movie to me like it was weird hmm. i don't know i liked it. i think it is a better way to do like because you know in the original the whole, everyone like melts away and then they're just like yeah in black i like that though i guess i love that I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to base your whole movie around the love between two people, I thought I was hoping that he would redo it and make it more realistic. And it but wasn't. It was this movie is not me. actually about love. This movie is about hate, Kyle. <laughs> it is. I, I feel like you're like, and again, it is based on Romeo and Juliet. Yes. That is the source material. Yes. They also fell in love super quickly. I know. But I it's also it. the same thing. It's a tragedy. I just need to be led along. It doesn't matter what your fucking message is. Get me there. You know what I mean? And they don't get, they never grabbed me. They never grabbed me. Okay. Riff grabbed me. That was weird. That's a different movie. <laughs> All right. So what number are we on? You're on number six. I am on number six. So another movie I was, I was looking really forward to and initially was kind of mixed on it, but it ended up being my, uh, my number six film of the year. And that is Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. I was seriously looking forward to this movie so much. Like, it was insane. And I'm not even the biggest Paul Thomas Anderson fanboy. Okay. They can't see you, but I'm offended. Okay. Okay. So maybe I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm a big fan. 
I mean, have I seen all his work? Sure. Does he have that much work? Not compared to some people, you know? Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know what about it was just, you know, at first, I was just like, I really liked it. I didn't love it. And then it just stayed with me for weeks. And here we are coming at number six on my list. Um, type of movie that plot doesn't really matter, which, I mean, checkbox for me. I love that. Uh <laughs> But it's more of just like a feeling, and I don't think like all of his movies do this, but this one, Phantom Thread, and maybe The Master, just feel like these films that just like wash over you, and you just kind of like exist in these worlds, and it's not, again, you're not necessarily driven by plot, you're just like really into these characters and this, you know, this environment uh, that he brings you in with, you know, with everything, like it's just... I mean, he's a master filmmaker. No one's going to argue that. Uh, and he really he really hits it home with this movie as far as just putting you in a vibe for two hours, you know. Um, and this is the type of movie I think almost anyone can enjoy. My parents would probably like this movie. My grandparents, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why I keep bringing them up. <laughs> but I just think you could recommend this to anybody. I think my you know my students would love it, I think all sorts of ages would love it and just be into it. And it's, there's enough there. There's enough fun cameos that don't really take you out of the movie. You're just kind of wit. Like, I don't think this ever makes you feel like you're not in a movie. Like you're not watching a movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's very self-aware and it's, it knows its audience is aware. So when these cameos pop up and stuff, it's just kind of, it just adds to the, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but yeah. Wonderful. That's licorice pizza. Right, number six. Well, there's a lot of synergy happening here because my number five is Licorice Pizza. Yay! I'm glad we got one that kind of like yeah back to back. I mean, I agree with everything you said. It's it's a vibe. It's just like a cool. You're hanging out with these incredible characters for two hours, and that's all it needs to be. And I think that there's like scenes in that movie that I'm gonna think about for a long time because they're just like beautiful. But it's also funny. It's also sad the whole human experience in film and Bradley Cooper is hysterical and (laughs) I loved it. And also um, Alana Haim, I think gave an amazing performance for someone who is not an actress. So, so far, you know, I would literally say like one of my favorite performances of the year, maybe my top female performance of the year, maybe my top performance of the year. Yeah. I mean, her performance, her performance is what like carries the whole film, her and, uh, Cooper Hoffman but her yeah. more so I would say yeah oh I think she's the lead yeah for sure and she was wonderful the whole Heim family honestly was great they were <laughs> they were what a delight to, you know what I mean it's just that movie is a delight it really is like similar to Belfast but even more so yes as we both put it higher I as we both we put would, it higher we would this. agree yeah. but I do I kind of like this trend that's happening where directors just like making films that take place where they grew up and it's just like right. you know what i mean all like, right we're gonna get one from spielberg next right year. or this year this year i don't know when it's coming out i think I he's think it's like this year. filming now yeah. and has a release date this year so it's what happens when spielberg doesn't make anything with a bunch of special effects <laughs> it goes it a lot to faster come out months later yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah i just i like i've liked pretty much every iteration of that so far you know yeah from roma to belfast to this like and obviously sure. this is a little less personal than those two, but yeah, but it's still, I just loved it. I, I, 
I'm not a Paul Thomas Anderson fan girl. I've not seen all his work. But living like with a fanboy, <laughs> I have come I to appreciate a, him even more. <laughs> I am not a PTA fanboy. Okay. I don't think that's something to be embarrassed of. I just don't feel like it's true. Okay. I mean, I do love him. I know you do. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, I, this is what I don't like about me going down the Like, I feel like I'm always going to say a movie and then it's going to come up with you. Like, I feel like I'm stealing all your thunder. Yeah, pretty much, but it's fine. You sure? Do you want to switch? No. Okay. All right. So what am I at? Five? Uh, you're on five, yeah. Five. Number five. Was that Licorice Pizza was your number five? Yeah, Licorice Pizza okay. was number five. Number five is Pablo Lorenz Spencer. You think you're stealing my thunder with this? Okay. No. <laughs> no, I just feel bad. Like, I just... Uh, some other ones coming up might, you okay. know. Okay. Uh, wait, you don't have Spencer on your list? I do not. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I get, I'll just take the stage here then. Yeah, it's all you. Uh, this is my kind of movie. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know to tell you. It's slow. It's haunting in some degrees. It is shot so beautifully, so incredibly well. I don't know if they shot on 16 millimeter again for this or not. It just, it looks great. It just looks great. A good wide lens. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, follows an amazing performance by Kirsten Stewart uh, as, Di- I almost said Diane Keaton. As wow. Princess Diana. <laughs> uh, as she goes up to uh, some one of their castles for Christmas, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not important to me. I don't, I'm not British. I don't need to know all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, just like all these little nuances. I mean, the film opens with this army of chefs and like castle workers. I don't Staff, know. Staff, yeah. Staff, thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, just coming to get things ready for the family to arrive. And I just love, I'm, I was glued. I was glued. And then she's taking. You should taking, check out Downton Abbey if you're into stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, honestly. I don't know. Maybe. But then even just her arrival, like with the car, and just her fashion and her looks and everything. I was I was so enamored with that movie. I loved every frame. Little things like this confrontation between her and this like butler guy who's supposed to like look after her. Uh and they meet in this like dessert closet and it's like one of my favorite scenes of the year. I just absolutely was in love in love with this movie. I was again, just like Paul Thomas Anderson. It kind of washed over me and I was just with it from the get go and just living in it. And I don't remember seriously just like taking my eyes off the screen for that movie. I just, I absolutely loved it and I could not recommend it more to a very specific type of person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is number my number five, Spencer. Yeah. I liked it. Not enough for it to get on my list or into my honorable mentions. But I do think it. I think it's interesting the way that they kind of took it, took the story of Diana and turned it into kind of like a horror film to a certain extent. But I also think right now we seem to be in a in a period of culture where we're really interested in Princess Diana again. And I don't know if this was the my favorite uh, look at her life, I guess. I've seen uh, more interesting ones in recent years. So, Namely The Crown. I'm talking about The Crown. But <laughs> it was interesting. It was well made. Kristen Stewart gave a very good performance. Although 
She was very Kristen Stewarty. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it was. I don't think she like Where lost I'm herself. Talking, I'm talking about my favorite films, and you're shitting on it. So that's what you did to me. Oh yeah, with West Side Story. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just saying. I don't think she lost. I never once forgot that I was watching Kristen Stewart. You know what I mean? But that's fine. Okay. I just yeah, I don't need someone to sink into the role and it's like, oh, that's Princess Die. That's never gonna happen. I can say the same thing for Natalie Portman's Jackie. Loved that performance. Did I ever look, think I was looking at Jackie Onassis? No. no. I, yeah, I like Jackie a lot more. Though. But I feel like it's more of a process. You're like watching almost like the filmmaking mm-hmm. rather than a film. Anyway. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it. My number four film is The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, so the last daughter is based on a novel by Elena Ferrante, who is one of my favorite authors. And I read the book before we saw the movie because that's the type of person I am. And that book ended up being one of my favorite books that I read all year. And I think that the adaptation is, I think adapting books is very difficult because obviously you can't do everything that's in a book, even though the lost daughter is a very short book. But I think this is a great adaptation, not just because, it's faithful to the book, but it's faithful to the feeling of the book, which I think is what's most important in an adaptation. And I think that, you know, it's about Olivia Coleman is this older woman who is on vacation and she sees Dakota Johnson with her daughter. And it kind of brings back a lot of memories of her experience when her daughters were young. And I think that it looks at some aspects of motherhood that don't get addressed very often, but it looks at it with, compassion with understanding and I think that everyone is giving amazing performances Olivia Coleman Dakota Johnson Jesse Buckley amazing and I think that again it's kind of a vibe it's just like a very I think it was like an experience more than you know what I mean like I was just like in it I loved it that's what's on my list I couldn't agree more, which is why it is my number four as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, synergy. The synergy, yes. I just appreciate like this type of film, this type of filmmaking. Uh, really impressed as her direct her directorial debut. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't really say much more than what you already added to it, but I love, I love it. I love the I love the flashbacks. Can't really usually say that about movies. Mm-hmm. In this, I think they're so incredibly important. Obviously, the book does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, ugh, that's the world I wanted to live in. Um, this other one just seemed like a nice vacation stop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Best Netflix original I think I've seen in a long time. So. Yes. Very good. Whatever, maybe I don't know. No, that's not true. Marriage Story. But I forgot <laughs> that that was a Netflix original. Roma as well. You know what? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good Netflix. Best Netflix original this year. Yes. I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Well, then my number three is Pig by Marco Saranowski. Now, this movie, I, get, I think sometimes what I consider like my favorites and the things that stick with me has so much to do with expectations. And... I had zero expectations of this movie. I literally didn't know what it was about. We happened to be in Chicago <laughs> for our anniversary, our 10-year anniversary. And... Uh, <laughs> decided to go see a Nick Cage movie. Well, we that wanted to go. We hadn't been to Chicago since the beginning of the pandemic, so it had been a very long time. We wanted to go to the Music Box Theater. 
there was not a lot of options of what was playing. So we said, sure. You said, you want to see this pig movie? And I was like, fine, I guess. It was better than whatever else was playing. And when you hear that Nicolas Cage is in a movie about his pig getting stolen and he's trying to find it, you expect a certain kind of film. (laughs) (laughs) And that is not what pig is. (laughs) That does sound like most straight to like DVD Nick Cage movies. And so I think that because my expectations were so incorrect, like I like what I found was one of the most beautiful. It's sad, but also heartwarming and also just lovely, quiet, subtle films with so much heart. And so I think that su- the surprise of that, I think, is what has had it stick with me so much that the year. But I think, you know, I saw this like well in mid years in the summer but like I saw it early in when I'm thinking about best movies of the year and it's always been on my list it's been on my list since I saw it and so I keep comparing it to the movies I'm just like no I just still love Pig so much and I and I get I think this is a film anyone would like I think yeah everyone would enjoy this film. hard sell on paper yeah but like it's great. you know it'll pay off yeah for sure go I see could- Pig I couldn't agree more. I love Pig. It it didn't make my it didn't make my top ten, unfortunately, though. But I I did really really enjoy it. Um, coming at number three for me, that was your number three, correct? Yep. Coming at number three for me is uh, Bergman Island by Mia Hansen Liu. Don't no. look at me. I don't know how to say it. It's not love. I'll tell you that. Okay. You know, it's got a, it's got one of those O's with like a slash through it. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I heard someone else say Lou, but then that person might have been French. So I don't really know. Okay. Uh, I was just doing my best. Uh, but yeah, is this on your list? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is a movie made by a cinephile for cinephiles. Uh, Wait, it's called Bergman Island. It's called Bergman Island. <laughs> Takes place at the island Bergman lived on, Faro Island in mm-hmm. Sweden. Uh, wonderful movie. Uh. It's a slow start. Tim Tim Roth, mm-hmm. Tim Roth, you know, and uh, oh, I can't think of the actor's name. I'm doing terrible. Vicky Creeps. Vicky Creeps. Creeps. I don't know Cripes? how to say her last name. Creeps. Okay. Just given these subtle, like, nuanced performances, we don't really know what's going on as far as a plot at any point. But then this wonderful, amazing thing starts happening, where they're both filmmakers and they're using this time. Like he's doing a film festival there. He's like on panels and showing stuff. And she's trying to write. Well, they're both trying to write. But she uh, starts talking to her husband on this walk about a story she's writing. And then we start to see that story come to life. And now there's two films within one. And it's wonderful. And it goes back and forth. And then uh, is it bio- is it biographical? Uh, it's definitely weird regardless. It's kind of blurring these lines of what is the, what is the filmmaker trying to do? What is the character trying to do? And like... What is the audience trying to do? Uh, it's just this weird experiment that just works on every level, in my opinion. Uh, such a surprise for me. I had just read good things, but I'd never seen any of her previous work before. Um, I knew it was a pandemic film. Like I think that the pandemic had kind of affected what the original goal was. So this was kind of like a pivot. And uh, yeah, I just really want to kind of look more into it. I've been kind of holding off, but I want to and find out what the original was versus this, but it's just, regardless, it's like one of the most intriguing films I've seen this year, or I would say the most intriguing film I've seen this year. Um, 
and yeah come this was like do my top three are like interchangeable but this currently sits in the three spot and that is bergman island i will say i really did love about three-fourths of that movie and the ending just kind of lost me but i enjoyed it up until then okay all right my number two film is zola zola yes what's your number one what am i missing okay anyway go ahead (laughs) um so yeah, like Kyle said, I I re- I still remember where I was when I read the original tweet <laughs> thread that went viral. Like JFK, 9/11, <laughs> the Zola tweets. I mean, truly though, cuz I just remember like seeing it and then I like cuz I was just like scrolling through my phone to like kill time and then I found that and then I could not stop reading it. So I was like mm-hmm. this is the wildest story I've ever heard. This yeah. is beyond. So this has been my most anticipated movie for uh, like two years now, right? Because it's supposed to come. It came out. It premiered in Sundance in like twenty nineteen. I don't. I don't know. It, it, I think it got pushed back because of COVID. But um, okay. I've been looking forward to this movie for forever, and it definitely lived up to my expectations. I think that so many films try to capture an internet experience in a film, and I think this is the only one that has ever succeeded. From the sound design to the way it looks to the way that technology is incorporated into the story. I just think that this is, I mean, it's, it's a story that started as a tweet and I think that it never tried to hide that. You know what I mean? It fully embraced like, this is what this is. These are these people. I think that the performances are great. Like you said, Riley Keough is always amazing. And Taylor page who I had not seen anything prior to this, who plays the lead of Zola. Like, I think that she gives an amazing performance uh, cousin Greg is amazing. Uh, Coleman Domingo. I think that. Why? Nicholas Broad. <laughs> I like to call him cousin Greg, but um, I just think that it's it's again it's it has so much. It's funny. It's terrifying. It's an anxiety. Oh, yeah. there's anxiety. <laughs> like there's so much stress in this movie, yeah. and I think that it it fuels that. It, like you know what I mean. Like it, the journey that it takes you on is satisfying. Oh yeah, and uh, I loved it. It's a ride for sure. It really is. Oh, that's my number two. Good dude. I I'm really curious what your number one is. My number two is El Planeta. Okay. And this is a movie I got really lucky because I'm I'm going for my my MFA right now. I got to see it very early this year, um, just after it kind of premiered at Sundance. Uh, So I had read about it. And I had heard podcasts about it, and I was so excited. And I found out uh, the filmmaker was going to be a resident at the school and that we were going to see her movie. And I was, like, so pumped about it. And I loved I loved it. It was the type of movie that, like, I hope to make. So, like, that's I say you heard hope, right? Yeah. I'm, to me, it sounded like I said I helped make. I did not have anything to do with this movie. <laughs> no. Okay. But I that I hope to make. Um and it's just this it's about this this mother and their daughter and they're just living this very weird lifestyle in Spain where they don't really have any money but they're just getting by other ways and it's just like there's no real plot also and it opens up with a conversation where she's going to go meet with like um someone to essentially it's like sex work but does does end up working out or whatever but they're just meeting in a cafe finds out she he's it's a whole thing 
but it's just great. It just opens up with this really quiet scene that's like this. You don't really know what's happening. It's revealing. So from then, I was just like hooked. Uh, Amalia Ullman is the filmmaker, and she's also the lead in it. She wrote and directed it, but she's also the lead, and she's in, she's incredible. And I will say that I have the amazing chance to get to meet her and work with her, and I. But I promise that does not affect my bias on this <laughs> film. Uh, it just gives me a little bit more insight to it. Um, so yeah, I cannot recommend this movie enough to anybody. Like there's nothing, I think this kind of movie anybody can enjoy. Um, I guess if you'd like slightly slower paced things, but it has, has great humor, a wonderful heart and just some, uh, some unforgettable scenes. So that is my number two movie of the year, El Planeta. All right. Well, now it's time for my number one movie. Can I get a drum roll? I don't know how to do that. We'll add it in post. Yeah. My number one film. I'll definitely do that. My number one film of 2021 is The Worst Person in the World. Oh, duh. By Joaquin Trier. Dang it. I've always said, you know, that my favorite genre of movies, of books, of anything is coming of age. But I've recently learned of a new genre called coming of self which is essentially a coming of age movie of someone who is already an adult <laughs> and that is truly my favorite genre uh, at this coming, point in my life coming of self yes <laughs> and i would say that's very much what this movie is yeah. you know she's the main character is just turning 30 she has not figured out her life she has not figured out who she wants to be how she wants to live and it's very much her journey through that and I appreciate story like that. Again, that's right in my wheelhouse. And I think that this is one of the best examples of that. I think that, again, it has really sad, heartbreaking moments. And there's also some of the funniest moments yeah. in movies of this year in this film. I also think that there's a scene. There's a lot of, you know, in movies, there's a lot of like meet cute scenes. And I think that yeah. the the version of it in this movie is the best I've ever seen. I loved every second of it. I know you're rolling your eyes, but like I really did. It's so unrealistic. It's insane. I don't but care I know that what it's unrealistic. Saying. I know what you're saying. No, it's cute. It's extremely cute. And I think that the cuteness of that is, you know, important to the rest of the story. Do you know what I mean? But yes. um, I just, I really loved it. I think that I was really looking forward to this film. As soon as I like heard what it was about, I was like, yep, that sounds like something I'd be super into. And I was right. I was super into it. That's my number one movie of the year. There's something I want to talk about this movie later, but like, again, I can't agree with you more. I think it was, I, it does, it does so many things so well. And honestly, it's the type of movie that unfortunately there's probably going to be an American remake. Oh yeah. I think they're already talking about making an American version. Yeah. Although, although the times I keep hearing that in the past, like they were supposed to do it with, uh, Tony Erdman. Yeah. Didn't happen. No. They're supposed to do with another round. I don't think it is happening. Anymore. That's true, yeah. And then like this. But anyway, um, yeah. Sorry, I'm taking away your number one. I think that is such an excellent choice. And Thank you. Yeah. Your number one movie of the year, huh? Yep. And um, one of our more recent watches. Yeah. That's really cool. You were, you were you were really looking forward to it. I was. Well, that's awesome. I, I Honestly, I don't know how I forgot that was going to come up for you. That's okay. Yeah, I was like, "What is her number one going to be?" And clearly, I knew it from the get go. I thought it might be the same as my number one. Mm. I think I know what your number one is. At yeah, this I think point. you do too. <laughs> uh, it's Risuki Hamaguchi's 
drive my car. Is that not what you thought? No, that's what I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't mean to be basic on this because uh, it's a lot of people's favorite movie of the year. A lot of critics. It's, it's winning a Number lot. Number one movie. Okay. It's winning a lot of <laughs> awards. Yes. Okay. I was skeptical. Three hours long. Never heard of this Rusuki guy. Turns out he's a big deal. Uh, I loved every second of this three-hour movie. I did. And I know you did, too, to a degree. Yes. Uh, which is shock because we hate long movies. Yes. Uh, but this movie did not feel long. It did not. It did not feel three hours. It did not sure. feel three hours, and the story just unfolds, and the titles don't come in for, like, 35 or 40 minutes. That and was the best moment. Amazing. Like 45 minutes in the credits start. Yes. <laughs> this movie is fucking incredible. Like, sorry to swear. It's But it is... It's so I listen, you're either you've either seen it or you're not going to. Mm-hmm. But this movie is uh, absolutely incredible. I couldn't recommend it more. It does so many things, especially if you're involved in the world of like like any art, really any art form. I think there's something you could pull from this movie. Like it's just. It's beautiful. It's be, I don't want to give anything away. So it's just. Mm hmm. Just trust me. Just, you know. <sighs> I will say it, it barely missed my top 10. And I think a lot of that is it's I want to rewatch it, honestly, because I was very tired when we were finishing it. And I don't know if I fully appreciated the Not ending you, because yeah. I was very tired. But um, no, I agree. Like I. I did not expect to love a three-hour-long subtitled movie about a production of Uncle Vanya as much <laughs> as I did. Hey, I said no spoilers. <laughs> but uh, I did. It's really great. It's, and now so, I feel bad. I wish I had put on my top ten. But like, dude, there's so many just little things that are yes. so like well done and thought out and just like poetic. And it's almost like a. I mean, I know it is based on a, a novella, a short story. It's based on a couple short stories. Yeah. A couple short stories, yeah. but like, it literally almost feels like you're in the world of a book like so many movies you mentioned earlier like adaptations aren't always great Mm -hmm. but this feels like something that was clearly adapted from us from literature and brought to life on screen like i don't know how to explain it i don't know how to explain it it just didn't do what movies do did more of like what books do Mm -hmm. but then also like but it never felt like you know like sometimes when something is adapted you're like oh yeah that feels like a play this feels like yeah i didn't I wasn't like, oh, this feels like a book, but I do see what you're saying. Like, I think there was more depth to it because it came yeah, from more depth literature. To it. yeah. I mean, it's definitely an excellent piece of, of filmmaking. Like, it's not, sorry, not to say it's like not, fil- yeah. but it's just, it just does so many things that like books do well, but in a movie, I don't know. I loved it. Drive my car, number one. That's a great choice for number one. Thank you. Me and every other critic in the world. Yes. Well, we're all right. What can I say about I mean, that? Some, I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, critics, I think sometimes get a bad rap for being pretend. But, like, critics see so many movies. So, yeah. they're not going to be impressed by things that people who don't see as many movies are going to see. They're, it takes something even bigger, even more impressive to right. impress critics. You know, and I think this is more than just, like, a, you know, fly-by-night type of movie. Like, I don't think it... I truly think this is the type of film that just, it's like a parasite. It'll never be as popular as parasite was, but it's like, holy shit. Look at this masterpiece that you wouldn't generally see elsewhere. So that's why it spreads like wildfire. Mm -hmm. You know, this movie's playing all over the country right now. Like 
it's that big. That is crazy. It's not Parasite big. No. And it probably okay, won't be Because it's a three-hour film about the production of Uncle Vanya. <laughs> yes, you're right. That's like the only thing holding it back. But I just think it's like one of these gems that like, and I know he's respected in circles all around the world, but it's just like, it just feels like we were gifted this movie. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. man. I just, I don't know. I feel like I've been waiting for this movie for years. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's so stupid. I know. I just love it that much. Uh, anyway. Right. That's our top tens. Yeah. Well, good thing we fit those two movies in when we did because they were our number ones. <laughs> yeah. No, right. That's so true. Back to back, by the way. Nice. Yes. Yes. That's part of why I was so tired because we also then saw Parallel Mothers the same day we watched Drive My Car. So it was a lot of yeah. reading. Only one of those in the theater. The other, we had screeners for the other ones. Don't worry about how we watch the other ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now do you have honorable mentions of ones that didn't make your list? Uh no, I kind of fit them into the categories. Okay, well I have a couple honorable. Well, mentions. then I'll do it too. Okay. <laughs> do you want to go like me to do all mine? Well, or you actually, go back and forth. Yeah, do all yours. Okay. So I'll probably just piggyback off of that. Okay, so my honorable mentions. I think we already talked about some of them, but um, Shiva Baby. Okay, yeah. Which I thought was a really great debut film. I'm excited to see more from that filmmaker. Uh, Red Rocket by Sean Baker. Mm. I liked a lot about that movie, but there were also. Yeah parts of it that made me extremely uncomfortable which is why it didn't make my actual top 10 but it is right, a movie that i've thought about a lot since right, watching the whole it. point is like and i do recommend people see this movie it's like and we talked about this but it's what it does that's upsetting mm-hmm. it's like we already fucking know right like you don't need to show me something upset it's like we already understand that world like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you didn't have to be so fucking graphic about it anyway sorry yeah and it's funny because it is it is obviously very graphic but um my favorite thing about the film is like the subtlety. There's a running joke kind of about, um, do you want to go here? What he won an award for. I'm not going to go into it, but I'm just saying there's a running joke that I think is like one of the best written things I've seen in a long time. It's just like so great the way that it's how it plays out, plays out throughout the film. That's a good point. Um, red rocket, by the way. Yes. Red rocket. Uh, next is passing by Rebecca Hall. Again, this is based on a book that I read this year prior to seeing the movie. Um, and then it's also a very, very good adaptation. I actually kind of enjoyed the movie more than the book. And I thought that it was a great, um, I think it was Rebecca Hall's first movie, right? She directed. Yeah. Yeah. How so many honorable great. mentions you got? I just have one. Jesus. Like Death. six more. Why? Because <laughs> I have a lot of films that I liked. Okay. I just feel like, can we put a pause? Because I feel like some of these movies might come up in the other things. No? Well, okay. Do you want me to just say less about them as I go? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the ones are come on, come on. I uh, yeah, I also did not make my. I was surprised it didn't make your top ten, but it's just, it was just kind of average. Like I yeah. like Mike Mills, and I, I liked, liked the it. movie. Yeah, but it just wasn't enough to be like, like I don't know if I'll ever see it again. Right. Okay. Which is oh, that was your criteria. Right. Okay. Uh, Mass. Uh, Titan, which you talked about. Drive my car, which we talked about. Tick, tick, boom which I enjoyed a yeah. lot, not yeah. just because I'm a theater nerd, but I also thought that it was very well done. Yeah. And uh, The Power of the Dog, which I think is obviously getting a lot of hype, and I think it's one of the favorites for Oscar season, which um, we're recording this before Oscar nominations, but it's probably going to come out after Oscar nominations, but I think it's probably going to do well for that. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not wrong by the time this comes and, out. but <laughs> And it is a good film. It is great. And I will say that... Um, it has the best ending of any movie this year. Like, I think that so many films, like, don't have endings anymore. They just kind of end. And this movie had an ending. And I really appreciated that. <laughs> Great. That was good. 
All right. Those uh, are my honorable. But yeah, that was also the last one I wanted to mention too. So okay, that was perfect. Okay, so now we'll get into our special categories, which is our secret way of fitting in more movies onto our list. Yeah. In case we haven't talked about enough movies yet. Um. So first up, we we're going to talk about movies that fell into the COVID time gap because, um, everything's all messed up because of COVID. So yeah. movies that came out. Like last, like technically came out in 2021, but was part of the 2020 award cycle. Yeah, and it's just very confusing. And yeah, like they weren't on our lists. They weren't but on our we list. Definitely fit them in before awards. But yeah, like, yeah. But we didn't watch them before our list, and some of them didn't come out by the time we did our list because yeah, was. for sure. So anyway, these are mine, real quick. Just okay. Uh, or do you want to go first since I've been talking for a while? You can go first. Okay, so mine is Judas and the Black Messiah. Which I think had a strong possibility of being like one or two, honestly, if I had seen it. Yeah, that that's on mine as well. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, which I think was a little controversial for some people, but I really enjoyed it. I like, kind of middle ground. Yeah, I understand for sure. Uh, the White Tiger, which I love, and it's on Netflix, oh, yeah. and I think people should really watch that movie because it's. So why didn't you put great. it? On, is it was it a twenty twenty one movie? It did come out in twenty twenty one. So why didn't you put it on your list? Because it was still part of, like, last year's award cycle. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, I don't know. That's true. That's true. It is good. That's Uh, exactly... I don't know why I fucking asked you all minor fit that category. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, they came out this year, but they were last year's cycle, though. Right. Um, And then some other ones from the award cycle is Minari, Collective, and The Father. Oh, nice. Good choices. Uh, I also had The Collective on mine, um, in addition to Judas Black Messiah, uh, Nomadland which I notice is absent from your list. Yep. <laughs> and a m- movie I mentioned earlier, just briefly, but seriously, one I think about on a more than regular basis, Another Round. Mm, okay. I fucking loved that movie. I swore again. I'm, there's no reason for that. Just put an explicit yeah, warning on I won't. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Another Round. Just absolutely love that film. Just mm-hmm. love it, love it, love it. Okay. Those are good choices. Yeah. Oh, solid. I agree with your list as well. All right. Well, let's, I'm done talking about good movies. <laughs> Yay. So let's talk about our most disappointing movie of 2021. Okay. Do you want to go first or want me to go? No, you go first. My most disappointing movie was No Time to Die, mm. the latest James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a movie obviously greatly impacted by COVID, got pushed back a lot. So I think I was already very excited to see it, the final Daniel Craig Bond installment yeah i love a bond movie i like daniel craig as bond um and then this movie was just not it it was just <laughs> not <laughs> no well said it was not it it was this is also on my list but okay yeah uh it was not it it was not it. it was just and it just drove home even more how much daniel craig probably should have been done after skyfall because i think that they've sure. just been retreading the same beats and, and how much gary skyfall. and how much gary fukunawa should have just been done after true detective season one yes so one thousand that guy is not talented at his job like i think he you know lightning in a bottle you got with true detective season one which i know how you feel about but overall i'm saying like directorially like it was so well done mm-hmm. okay but yeah he mm-hmm. cannot he cannot bring that to an action franchise such as uh, James Bond films. No. And it, Anna de Armas was like the one bright spot of the film. Yeah. And then she was like gone. Gone. And I, I was like, oh, I thought she was going to be in more of this and this is sad. <laughs> yeah. It's, dude, it's weird. And there's the, there's the cue like queer reveal scene, which like honestly just doesn't do it for, like 
it felt so forced. Sure. You know what I mean? And I believe that. I think the actor is actually making ben Winshaw, yeah, round, rounds about that too, right? Oh, is he? Yeah. No, no, he's gay. Oh, okay. I think he's saying like that scene was not necessary. Okay. Because it wasn't. No. It was like, what are you doing in this movie? Like, <laughs> we're just trying to put a nice little bow on everything. Like, that's what it was. Because it's the last time we're going to see any of these people, probably. You know what I mean? Right. Anyway, uh, I also want to add one more film to this disappointing list. Sure. And that is one film by one of my favorite filmmakers, Steven Soderbergh. Oh. And No Sudden Move. Okay. It was it was disappointing to me. I always look forward to the next Soderbergh. Yeah. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. And that was the case with No Sudden Move to a degree. And although I found it fine, I also found it lacking in many departments. Um for a movie that could have been so much more mm-hmm. it was so little like i don't know i don't know if it was pandemic related i don't know what it was you know i don't know why it fell off but le- lens choice honestly there was weird decisions made in that movie um and it was just a big disappointment for me so i wanted to be honest and put it on my list so. okay that's fair i did like a, i think i liked more about the movie than i disliked but i also it wasn't like top tier soderbergh no no for sure and that's I don't yeah. want to see that. I don't want to keep seeing middle tier Soderbergh. So for sure. Hope that changes. For sure. All right. Well then let's stay on this bad movie train, not bad movies, but you know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so most overrated film and we can use the term overrated. However we choose. Mm-hmm. I chose to use as overrated in a general audience sense. I think general audiences are overrating and overhyping. Don't look up. Oh, okay. I've seen a lot. Like, I, critics have not liked it. BAFTAs love it. <laughs> See that? Yeah. And, but I've seen so many people, like regular movie going audiences, just like loving this film. And, like, and I don't get it. I feel like people, I've seen all these memes where it's like, oh, these are the people that they're based, that these characters are based off of. And, like, isn't that funny that we figured that out? I'm like, I don't think any of that was hidden i think it's all so broad and so obvious that i just don't people want like kudos for figuring stuff out and it's just like well yeah it's clear and also like (laughs) i'm trying trying to attack people but like (laughs) i just think that this film is not doing anything it's an echo chamber like i don't understand adam mckay's point in any of the movies that he's made recently because anyone who's watching don't look up already thinks climate change is real it's probably vaccinated like it's no it's climate change yes like you're just what is the point you're not changing anyone's mind who doesn't think that climate change is real yeah and i think what sums it up the best for me um brit hayes who is a former movie critic that i really appreciate her letterbox review she said but is it satire if it's just true (laughs) and that's really comes down on it it's not yeah it's not over the top it's not like taking things to the extreme to point out the ridiculousness of it. This is literally how people have reacted to things in our country. Multiple things, you know? I'm sorry. What was this category? What movie made you upset the most? Or- <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got, got lost there for a second. Um, I hear you. I mean, I did enjoy the movie. I'm sorry, but I would never say it's like the greatest. I don't even think it's in the top 20 satires. Like, you know what I mean? But but I I don't think it's satire. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. But that's what it's going for. Uh, I didn't hate it at all. I laughed a few times. Actually, you know what? I didn't laugh. I I thought I'd laugh more. 
but I still laughed a few times. I think Kate Blanchett was the only funny part of that movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I, I thought the ending was kind of sweet. But other sure. than that. No. Yeah. No. It didn't do anything unexpected. It didn't do anything interesting, really. It didn't. It just got a lot of good people together, which was sometimes fun to watch. Hmm. Okay. What's your most overrated film of the year? Well, I got two. Because okay. that's how I, I cheat sure. on these lists. Uh, but for different reasons. So one is... Uh, actually, you know what? They're both the same kind of reason. No, 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 they're not. You know what? I'm just going to get rid of this other one. I'm not... Okay. Let me uh, back this up. Okay. I had the Green Knight on there. Okay. Because a lot of people I know have just talked about how much they love it. And I just didn't get it. I didn't see it. Like, I didn't... I mean, mm-hmm. I saw the movie. But you know what I mean? I just... Right. I don't see what everybody else sees in that movie. So I put that. But I, there's no shade being thrown. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this next one. Uh, throw a rock and you're going to hit a film student who loves Edgar Wright. Okay. <laughs> Last Night in Soho is one of the most okay movies I've ever seen. Do they like Last Night in Soho? Like Edgar Wright fans? No. Okay. I mean, I don't know per se. I'm assuming yes. I'm assuming they'll like anything he touches. Okay. But uh, I'm just saying it's just like, it's so just like, I was really looking forward to this movie. I mm-hmm. was. I was. I was too. I was yes. really looking forward to it. The, the the cast again the fashion that music mm-hmm. everything and it was just he dropped the ball like in a big bad way it was so it's, it's again if he wanted to make like an 80s giallo type esque movie but it it didn't work no it didn't work to any degree so i would just say like yeah it was overrated on my part because he might be he might be overrated Oof. Is, is is where i'm You're alienating all the film nerds now i'm sorry <laughs> okay all right let's get back to movies that we liked um underrated film. underrated which i did i kind of i might have two for this one. Oh, i definitely have two so that's okay <laughs> first Who's one counting? is a movie that i already talked about because it was on my top 10 and that's pig because i do think that that movie is not getting a lot of hype like i just don't think a lot of people saw it because i think a lot of people were like i'm not gonna watch you know uh john wick with a pig but that's not what it is guys so i think that people should i think more people should see pig it's nicholas cage with a pig (laughs) (laughs) right it's completely different but it is completely different yeah in all honesty and then my other kind of underrated film is mass because I think that the performances in that film are getting are underrated. Just because, again, they're not getting a lot of awards recognition. Yeah. And I think that all four of them could. And so it's honestly just crazy to me that this is not getting talked more. And I know that that movie is a very hard set. It's very hard to get through. Yeah, and so I yeah. think maybe that's off-putting to some people to even watch it, which I completely understand. But if you do watch it and you do get through it, you'll be rewarded with some amazing performances. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. No solid choices. Um, for my underrated is a movie that was on my top 10 until very recently. Uh, but I say underrated because I haven't seen it talked about more places. In fact, I haven't really seen it talked about since it came out. And that is Bo Burnham's inside, hmm. uh, which I just think is such an amazing movie of its time such a performance piece uh his craft for working kind of solo is just incredible 
Um, but I think essentially at the end of the day, it is, you know, it's almost, it is like almost like a stand up special. I mean, it's hard to ignore that this is being done by a stand up comedian and musician. Uh, but this is something I think a bit of a masterwork mm-hmm. from this Absolutely. year. And, um, and yeah, I think it really just captures the time and it's just a great, great film. So that's Bo Burnham's, uh, inside. And then I also had plan B, but we talked about that earlier. Uh, just not talked about enough. Yeah, more, more people should see it. More that. teenagers should see it too. Yes. Know, just go see it. Hulu. Yeah. All right. Very accessible. All right. All right. Well, then, just kind of keep up the synergy here a little bit. Um, next category will be most, because, because on our podcast, like our general theme is looking back at Oscar races that are at least 10 years past, because the saying is that it takes at least 10 years to know a movie's full impact. So what movie do we think in 10 years will be the most impactful, be the most remembered, be the most important? And for me, that movie, or stand-up special, if you want to call it that, is Bo oh, Burnham's damn. Inside. I think that... I have to your thunder one more time. <laughs> yeah. I think that if future generations are trying to understand um, what lockdown and quarantine, the effects that that had on people, I don't think that you can get a better representation than that film i think that it is a masterpiece i think that again it it captures internet culture in a way that very few things can because it is made by someone who is so immersed in it and um yeah i think it's an absolute masterpiece that that will only be proven to be more important as time goes on Uh, i couldn't agree more i think that's such an interesting take on it um and i think that could easily fit in for for mine as well um, I do have two movies on mine for different reasons. So standard, would it hold up in 10 years? Licorice Pizza. Yes. Repeating it for my top 10, I know. But this is the type of movie it'll certainly keep being talked about in 10 years. It'll be a part of the conversation. It'll be a, in curriculums. It'll be, you know, it'll be people's favorite movies. Okay. Uh, so very much do I think I think that'll be relevant in 10 years. And the other one, I, I didn't know how much this movie was going to come up today, so I did have it on my list too, and that is Mass. And it's going to be relevant in 10 years mm. for a not-so-good reason. Yeah. Because it'll still reflect that nothing has changed as far as gun control in our country and mental health and school shootings. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to have an honest conversation about that, but I think it's been talked about a lot. So, um, yeah, two different reasons, but much like uh, much, you know, like Bowling for Columbine came out in what 1999 2000 uh no you know nothing's really changed I shouldn't say no legislation but I'm just saying things have not changed and there was gotten worse they've gotten far worse and that was trying to expose what's going on in our country and nothing has been helped uh so yeah on a lighter note yeah I'm glad that we didn't end with that category yeah I am too (laughs) I am too sorry uh all right so now we're gonna end on a happier note and uh, the movie, like we said, theaters obviously opened up a little bit more in 2021. So what movie made us the happiest to be back in theaters? And for me, uh, this was an easy pick. It was In the Heights. It is the only movie I saw twice in theaters this year. Ooh, okay. And um, I think that it was just so exciting to be back in a theater to see these huge musical numbers, these fun moments to be in a theater with a not too large, but large enough amount of people that it was just, it was just fun and uplifting. And that is what 
that's the kind of theater experience that I'm excited to continue to have. Hopefully people get vaccinated. (laughs) No, that was wonderful. And you know, I, I didn't know how to do this one because I did go musical at first. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, in the Heights or West Side Story. That was definitely what I was trying to think. What did I want to see on the big screen? Mm-hmm. And so those came to mind. Then like, you know, Black Widow and and uh, No Way Home. Mm, sure. Definitely. Came to, but I had too much anxiety during No, no Way Home. To, there were, that crowd actually, was a little too large. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. So I was you know, I was like, that was not honestly the best experience. But, you know, I. For various reasons, I think people could would say that might be their best experience of the year. Yes, whatever. and it was a very good film. It was, uh, but I actually I have two again. Of course, because <laughs> why wouldn't I? <laughs> One is for the reason we're kind of talking about, and that is uh, just seeing it on the big screen, and that is like the first 10, 15 minutes of Quiet Place Part Two. Mm, okay, like that movie, obviously nowhere near my list. Um, wouldn't no. consider it the most disappointing or anything like that, but. But the first 10, 15 minutes or whatever that takes place on like day zero, you know, yeah, like of this of this event, this alien attack or whatever, is just so fucking good. <laughs> I, swore, I swore again, sorry. It's just so good. Like I, I wanted to like I knew I knew it was like streaming soon on Peacock or whatever. I wanted to just go rewatch that ten minutes. Like it was just so good. Um, but that is like one of my favorite as far as like seeing action on the big screen this year and just being in it. You know, it was in our quiet theater for a quiet place part two. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's been mentioned. This is probably the most mentioned movie on the, on the, on the <laughs> podcast today. Pig. Yes. <laughs> it really was. I knew you were going to do that. You knew I was like, as you started talking, I was like, oh, he's going to pick pig. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, we went to our favorite theater mm-hmm. on our anniversary. 10 years. Saw, saw this movie. I never thought she'd agree to see. <laughs> In fact, she acts like it was just like the clear choice. It wasn't. I don't even. I don't know what else was playing. But, but. regardless, <laughs> you were afraid of a Nick Cage movie about a pig. That's I was. Not, uh, and it was just one of the more delightful experiences this year and a really good movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be one of the movies maybe the happiest to see in theaters. Absolutely. Our one visit to the music box in 2021. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Ending on a sad note again. No. That's okay. <laughs> no, I think, I think overall we've had a lot of a lot of good movies this year as there is every year we've had fun talking about it so thank you guys for listening um you know as we're getting through award season pretty soon well as this podcast come out i'm sure oscar noms are out so we will do a little uh overview of oscar nominations and who should win who we want to win um a little closer to the date and then we'll probably do a recap uh after the oscars as well as per usual and then maybe at some point we will begin working on season three for your reconsideration but thank you for listening thank you for tuning in and uh we'll see you later bye